Frank. In this podcast, we will discuss and describe four infamous and important photographs of war. By examining the deeper history and context of these photos, we will provide a more intimate glimpse into the realities of each conflict and the stories the photos tell. Additionally, comparing historically important war photos with each other allows us to see interesting similarities in their stories which reveal truths about how humans process and understand war. Through our comparison and analysis, we hope to determine the impacts photos can have on war and their importance to society and history. To begin our analysis of war photography, we'll look at an image from the first ever conflict to be photographed, the Crimean War. At first glance, it may seem purely coincidental that the first iconic photograph of war was shot in Ukraine. However, this is not the case. The photograph speaks to a much deeper theme within Ukrainian history, its inconvenient history as the battleground between Russia and Western powers, which have torn the country apart over its history. The Crimean War took place between 1853 and 1856 fought between Russia and the Ottoman Empire, which allied with the Western countries of France and the United Kingdom. Ukraine was seen by these countries as not only a fertile breadbasket with a pivotal strategic port of access to the Black Sea, but also as a buffer zone between the Russian Empire and the Ottoman Empire, or between the East and the West. Ukraine was strategically important because of its location and resources, and thus unwillingly became the site of a conflict between great powers. Sound familiar? There are many ways in which the Crimean War parallels the conflict today, and comparing the two reveals the reasons behind the country's position as a flashpoint for war. Fenton's photo was simply the first of many to document the virulent incursions of outside nations onto the Ukrainian people. On April 23, 1855, Roger Fenton unloaded his camera from his mule-drawn photography van, preparing to capture firsthand the peril faced by the brave British troops along the front lines. Fenton stepped out into a place that had been nicknamed the Valley of the Shadow of Death, and from his appraisal, this was a very accurate name, one his infamous image would go on to adopt. The valley was desolate, not a single living thing in sight, no trees, plants, or people just an empty ravine with the road running through it, littered with thousands of cannonballs. At first, on the hillside, the shells appear no different from rocks, but as you lean your face closer to the blurry image, you can begin to make out the perfect spherical shape and dark color of the ancient artillery. Fenton photographed this scene, but his first picture never became famous. Fenton collected some shells from the hillside and moved them out into the road, where they became much more obvious and visible. He then took another photograph with the shells in the road, and it was this particular image that went on to achieve fame. Fenton felt the need to alter the landscape and by some judgments fake the photo so that it better captured the way that the valley of death felt, so that when looking at the image, you will feel, however momentarily, the same fear which the British soldiers felt as they marched into the valley of death. This is why war photographs are so powerful, because they allow the viewer to transcend time and space and to see a new perspective. Quite often, they force us to feel empathy regardless of the subject. On February 24, 1945, after days of ferocious conflict, 
photographer Joe Rosenthal captured an image of six U.S. Marines raising a flag atop Mount Suribachi on Iwo Jima. Mount Suribachi was a primary stronghold on the island and was littered with Japanese bunkers, pillboxes, and machine gun nests. Within 18 hours, the photo was widely publicized in newspapers, and it came to embody the hope that the Allies would emerge from the war that had already claimed over 400,000 American lives victorious. Interestingly, similar to Roncher Fenton's photo of the Valley of Death, the photo that we all know was staged in a second take. The original photo shows three U.S. Marines raising the flag atop the scorched and torn ground. In the background, a soldier stands with a radio communication set up as another watches the flag raised and kneels apparently poised to fight with his U.S. carbine 30 caliber and one rifle. The second photo is undeniably more impactful. It shows six U.S. Marines atop Mount Suribachi inserting a flag into the vegetation and earth shredded by munitions in an inconvenient yet photogenic way. The Marine on the right side of the frame deliberately appears to be inserting the flag into the ground while four others assist. The furthest left Marine reaches for the flag in an attempt to be of assistance regardless of whether his action is needed. The photo immediately became and continues to be an iconic image of American patriotism and bravery in the face of adversity and represented the desire to bring the conflict to the shores of Japan after emerging victorious from one of the bloodiest battles. On February 27th, just three days after the start of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, journalists from Babylon 13 traveled to the Antonov Airport in Hostomel and captured an image of the Antonov AN-225 lying crippled beneath the rubble of its hangar and Russian shells. The black and white photo is in many ways reminiscent of Fenton's photo of the Valley of Death. No life is present in the frame, yet the effects of the destruction brought about by aggressive Russian bombing is painfully clear. The Antonov AN-225, nicknamed Mriya, meaning dream or inspiration, is the heaviest aircraft ever to fly. The plane is as much a beloved symbol as it is a utilitarian tool, and the history of its construction and service parallel in many ways the experience of Ukraine itself. The length of the plane's facade is adorned with the gracefully flowing colors of the Ukrainian flag, and many Ukrainians associate great pride with the aircraft and its unrivaled history of providing humanitarian aid. While the Antonov was originally devised to transport the Soviet Energia rocket boosters and Buran space shuttle, it was used minimally for this purpose, as the Soviet Union collapsed only three years after its completion. Upon collapse, ownership of the Mriya was transferred to Antonov Airlines, a state-owned commercial company based in Kyiv, and the aircraft was repurposed to transport heavy cargo. The unique immensity of the Mriya allowed it to take on missions that were once considered impossible. It holds the record for both the longest and heaviest payloads ever lifted by an aircraft, 138-foot-long blades of a Chinese wind turbine and a 418,000-pound gas generator for an Armenian power plant. The cargo hold of the Mia, which permitted these extraordinary payloads, is approximately 20 feet longer than the entirety of the Wright brothers' first ever flight. The plane enabled rapid and large-scale responses to humanitarian crises. It was instrumental in providing aid to Haiti following the 2010 earthquake, transporting hundreds of tons of relief supplies from Japan to the Caribbean island of Hispaniola. Following the nuclear meltdown at the reactor in Fukushima, Mania was the only way to transport the vital pumps required to cool the damaged reactors. 
Mio was also in high demand during the COVID pandemic. It made many trips between Asia and the U.S., each time carrying hundreds of tons of PPE, testing equipment, and vaccines. The lead engineer of the Mria, Nikolai Kalashnikov, eloquently expresses the national pride these relief missions bring the Ukrainian people. The Mria is not separable from Ukraine. It's like our child, and it's something our children and our grandchildren can always be proud of. The story of the Mria reveals significant truths about the relationship between Russia and Ukraine. The plane was born from the competition of the Cold War, competing political ideologies, and the desire to best America. Under the jurisdiction of Ukraine, it gained a new lease of life and meaning. Its primary purpose shifted to helping those in need, almost storybook heroics. I find the Mria's identity shift symbolic of the broader cultural shift Ukraine has experienced in the wake of the collapse of the Soviet Union. The fortitude and perseverance of the nation was captured in essence by the plane. The photo of the destroyed Maria captures explicitly the unnecessary offensive and destructive nature of Putin's invasion. The photo speaks directly to multiple dimensions of arguments against the war, its counterproductive nature, its indiscriminate ruin, and the unforeseen but inevitable toll it has upon civilian populations across the world. The collection of photos, including the ruined Maria, was published by Babylon 13, a collective of Ukrainian journalists and photographers dedicated to documenting the true impacts and history of the conflict. Entitled War, the collection of images is accompanied by two somber sentences. The brutal and surreal reality of war is hard to convey in words, but documentary photography can cope with this task and convey the emotional truth. More than 150 years after Fenton took the photo which captured so well the feeling of desolation in the valley of the shadow of death, we continue to find the most visceral and deepest repudications of war are produced by photos. On the 9th of April, 2022, two Tonka U rockets fell on the Kramatorsk train station packed with over 4,000 Ukrainian civilians attempting to evacuate to the safer western regions of the country. The notoriously inaccurate missiles killed at least 50 people and between five and seven children were among the dead. On the side of one of the missiles, a message in Russian, meaning for or on behalf of the children, was painted on the missile. Russia has denied any responsibility for the attack and it even claims that it wasn't one of their missiles and considers the blame of provocation from Ukraine. A video in BBC format with BBC titles was released within Russia implying that Ukrainian forces were responsible for the attack. After repeated attacks by Russians on civilian targets in the first 44 days of the conflict, the missile attack on civilians, primarily women and children, trying to retreat from the front line, provoked international outrage and coverage. Headlines worldwide displayed a close-up image of a child's abandoned or more likely lost stuffed horse soaked in blood. On top of the gray cobbles of the station, the child's toy lies surrounded by splintered wood. The brown fur of the animal is soaked in a significant amount of blood and is a testament to the carnage felt by Ukrainian civilians as Russian missiles and drones berate civilian areas and infrastructure. The image also leaves the viewer questioning the child's outcome. Were they wounded? Is it their blood? Are they another child murdered by Russia's legal invasion? Zelensky called the train attack an evil that has no limits, and that if Russia is not punished, it will never stop. The horse was logged as evidence of Russian war crimes. Using the attack and the war crimes in Bukha, Zelensky spoke to his people in a nationalistic and steadfast speech, 
calling for stronger sanctions on energy and greater support from the West to enable Ukraine to fight back against Russia. Quotes from the speech can be found in nearly every article with the image. The image is widely known and associated with Russian brutality and war crimes in the conflict. It appeals to aspects of human ethos and inquisition and is a powerful representation of the invasion's human impact. The widespread distribution of the photo may serve as a sort of propaganda, yet it simply reveals the immorality and cruelty inflicted on the citizens of Ukraine and connects the horrors of war to the humanity of its innocent victims. Шостий вражина прийшла на нашу неньку Україну. Руський мир більше не побачиш тих живих своїх синів. Так у нас вже повелося, хто до нас меча від меча і згине. Ми стоїмо за рідну Україну. Русський вояни корабль, ідіна.